Ma'am, what, what happened to you? I got maced. You got maced. By the police. And what happened? You were trying to go inside the yeah, Capitol? Yeah, I, I made it like a foot inside and they pushed me out and they maced me. What's your, what's your name? Where are you from? My name is Elizabeth. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. And why did you want to go in? We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. How would you characterize the um, coup? Oh, we're doing the coup first. Yeah, it's just, yes. We're doing a, a round, of, uh, a cipher of what we think about the coup. How would you characterize it? I would say I, I would say it's properly called an insurrection, but it's based off of a lie, and it's an American version of an insurrection. It's very confused and very, I don't know, liberal, as in... We thought that we had this. We had our guy. He was leading us to the promised land. And then we didn't. I don't know if we found out or not, but he was a grifter, you know? Yeah, that's been the interesting thing is watching the far right kind of come to the realization that Trump never actually gave a shit about about the culmination of a grift. That's how that's the one sentence answer. It's the culmination of a long grift. Yeah. Do you think they figured it out? No, I I think that some of them figured it out when he went when he did that statement and he he told everyone to go home and blah 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 that that thing. It seemed mm-hmm. like people reacted poorly to that, but I mean, I I don't think it was a coup. I don't even think insurrection is the best term. Like to me, it's almost it's a it's a form of of play of make believe, right? Of like people just thinking that. It's like a storybook or a Hollywood film or a video game, right, where the people kind of just make themselves heard and that will cause something to happen, right, that will fix the problem. It was the Boston Tea Party. Right, yeah, exactly. It was a tea party. Yeah, yeah. There'd be a magic moment. It's a LARP. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's a LARP. It's like, and I think the Boston Tea Party is exactly right. And it, it takes you back to the Tea Party movement, right, where it's like, what are we protesting for? What are the mechanisms by which our protest is going to actually help us achieve? achieve our goals. No one knows. Back during the Tea Party, no one knew. During Black Lives Matter, I would say no one knew. During this recent coup insurrection thing, no one knew, right? Like that that connection is never made. It's we're going to we're going to express ourselves, we're going to make a stand and then we're question get, mark we're and then right, <laughs> we're going to get maced and then <laughs> something is going to occur that that we'll be pleased with and of course it never happens that way. I'll let Daniel go first, but that's that's a that's a disagreement we might have. Yeah, for sure. But go ahead. What? On one Black Lives Matter being the similarities are there, but there are very it's very different in the organizational level and in the some of the context around it, because one is kind of based off of a lie. One is based off of mostly a truth. And yeah, I would the reactions say, are different, but the participants are very similar. Yeah. And the reaction is very similar. 
I, I think to a certain extent, you're right that there are fundamental differences, obviously, but they're like two sides of the same coin, right? Like, obviously, the liberal protest pageant and the conservative protest pageant are going to be different in significant ways, but the underlying similarity is there. But I also think that when we talk about the Black Lives Matter protests, we have to make a clear distinction between sort of the initial three days of a given Black Lives Matter insurrection where there's a large working class and lumpen component to the protests and then the post kind of three day window when it's kind of the anarchists and the middle class liberals kind of taking everything over. Right. And to me, I think that it's the latter part that more resembles this this insurrection in D.C., right? Like the kind of middle class liberal incarnation of Black Lives Matter. I would even say that that's different because the result of Black Lives Matter and the, um, you know, uh, the liberal part of it was focused on electoralism. Yes. Yeah. This is focused <laughs> on nothing. Yeah, there is that. Um but I mean, there is there is also the sort of the anarchist component of that of that post three day window. So right? let's like, suss that out because a lot of people would like uh, define what you mean by anarchism. Like the, uh, for example, when you look at Portland, which is a city where I think we can clearly say that there was never an actual working class African American component to the Black Lives Matter protest, simply because there aren't there isn't actually a sizable Black population in Portland, right? So, but Portland has been having these quote unquote Black Lives Matter protests constantly basically ever since. And they've been trashing stuff and it's been a lot of anti-fun black block stuff, right? And to me, that's the anarchist component of Black Lives Matter is kind of not um, working class rage resulting in property damage, but middle class adventurism resulting in property damage. Like the goal is actually to What I mean, like, stuff. go back, like, define anarchism for people because it's a term people probably know it. No one listens to this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like... As like as I understand what anarchism yeah. is politically, is that it's um, basically that you don't need governing bodies to structure society. So it's basically, or if you're talking about it as far as government. kind of, but as it exists in capitalism, is that anarchists their value is pointing out the problems in any structure, and they rebel against the structure. And the problem with I have with anarchists for the most part is that just pointing out the problems doesn't point to a solution. So, but it is valuable, at least as an anarchist, to point well, out that, that there is something wrong. That's the same know? objection that I'd raise to most Marxists, though, honestly. Like, okay, so you've got some criticisms, but... Um, I mean, I think in practice, the problem with anarchists is that they really do seem to be psychologically motivated just by the desire to smash shit up. Right. It's the fuck you dad sort of. Right. They're punk rock. That's just the manifestation here in America. Yeah, of course. But I, I think that American anarchists are are they're they're liberals. Right. Like anarchism is a liberal subculture yeah, in the same okay. way that Tea Party is a conservative subculture here in the United States. And so when you look at how anarchists actually what they do when they when they achieve some sort of goal like Chaz in in uh, Seattle. Right. Like what happened in Chaz doesn't really resemble what happens in, if you look at the Zapatistas, right, who I think we can call legitimate anarchists, right? Like when they take over a given part of territory, they establish internal 
Right. democratic structures that kind of govern the community, right? right? And you can be sympathetic or antipathetic to the Zapatistas, but you can recognize the difference between that and what happened in Seattle, where right. it was just like... That's what I want to suss Right. Out. There were no structures. It was just like... And in fact, they didn't even behave appreciably different from the cops, right? Like when they shot those kids who were... Who knows what they were doing wrong? Probably nothing, right? But like they literally... It took them... It took Chaz in Seattle like um, a couple weeks before they had an instant of police brutality that they themselves, you know, yeah. sort of caused. So, um, yeah, when I say anarchists, I'm, I'm referring to this kind of subcultural tendency nested within American liberalism and not referring to any sort of legitimate Rojava or Zapatista or anything like that anarchism that you might find well, abroad. The, Ro- 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 the Rojava are not, I don't think they're anarchists. <laughs> that's, that's, isn't that a market socialist? I don't fucking know, man, about Rojava, but anarchists certainly seem to like them. Okay, backing so I, up a second, though, I yeah. think it's correct to say you were, you were suggesting that... Um, that it's LARPing that went on in D.C. Yeah. That's LARPing. And I think that that also characterizes the left. Oh, absolutely. So they do coincide, despite the fact that they're purported opposites, in this sort of theatricality. Uh, it's just... Right. It's, they're performing for an absent spectator. Who are they performing for? Like Themselves. But oh well, I mean, yeah, with the selfies, definitely. That's that's <laughs> the thing we said in the last podcast. Like my problem isn't when people have an incorrect theory, or even necessarily if they're LARPing, if it's in service of something productive. If the LARPing resulted, if it had a productive capacity to organize, then fucking LARP away. But that's the difference I'm seeing in these two protests. The LARPing in Black Lives Matter, like the prime example was when we were there, me and Daniel and this girl comes up to us. So mm. we and Daniel go yeah. and we're at a, um, uh, a um, what is that? A, uh, you know, uh, police line. It was a police line to an um, like a, an off ramp, right? Mm-hmm. Or an on ramp on the highway. Mm-hmm. And um, this girl comes up to me and she's like, no, um, you don't need to do this because <laughs> white bodies protect black bodies. <laughs> And, and it's like, look at the size of my arms right. to Daniel's arms. <laughs> and, <laughs> He's doing the protecting here. And it's not, it's not just that. It's not like my arms versus Daniel's arms or my arms versus her arms. It's, I mean, even if we're talking about the social dynamics, I am an adult. Like, I am perceptibly, you know, I don't know how people look at me, but I look like I'm at least 25 to 35. Mm. Yeah, but that's, and that's, she was a young girl who looked like she was a teenager uh, to early that's 20s. What she, that's what she read in an academic paper at Northwestern Right. And so so she one on one taught by her grad student who doesn't give a shit. And on top of that, she's telling me to trust her to protect people as someone that I see as inexperienced. Right. Right. So, yeah, I I have more of a experience with police than you do. Right. (laughs) Negative or positive. What I know. how. Funny thing is, at the end of it all, she's still giving you orders. That's (laughs) that's how you take it. Go go for it, because I just took it as like this young person with these ideals that are just like oh, this is inexperience just in the air like you right. don't you're telling me what to do because you have this lofty well, she's thought. trying to do something she's trying to do good which is why i told you i appreciate her trying right yeah. she's her heart is in the right place but at the end of the day what i but, saw is this okay i'm a white guy she's a white girl you're a black guy oh she was a white girl i didn't yeah. i didn't catch that yeah. i thought yeah. all right and she and she she's telling you what to do vis-a-vis me she is a manager 
Right. It's the PMC. Right, she's a manager in training, right? She's being taught how to enforce, to to come up with, rationalize, and enforce rules. That's her entire life at this moment in time. And so she's just kind of doing it like a, a management machine, mm-hmm. you know, in, in any given context. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah. Like, I could have taken that as I was super sexy, but <laughs> you, need to, you need to protect all that. No, know, I think that was just human resources. That great egg beefcake. <laughs> that was just human resources, I think. But <laughs> we got to protect our human resources, right? Our, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you're cultural capital, Thaddeus. How are they going to have a movement without you? Uh, see, that's that's the other part that, um, you know, comes to my mind automatically is um, this is um, the old poem, Behold the White Man's Burden. And it's like, I'm not your fucking burden. I'm here with you. We're right. doing this together. Right. That's what this is about. It's not about you protecting me or me protecting you. If you had to come up, she came up to me like, let's do this, guys. <laughs> you know, I'm here with you. Right. That would be totally acceptable. But that's not how it plays out in people's heads. Well, well, it was also semi-urgent because all this shit was going on and they're afraid the cops are going to do something. So I understand the sort of. Well, it reminds me of there was that video um, of the I can't remember which city it was in, but there was, you know, a a protest on the street. And this white lady is just like telling all the white protesters, we need to leave and go protest in our neighborhood because we're currently invading this black neighborhood. And then the black people in the protest are like, what are you talking about? Like the entire point of the protest is that we're in this together. Like, why? Why are you saying this? They did that with the Black Panther movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was a whole thing. We need to let black people see this first because this is theirs. There is a whole thing like that. This like is, this, what, is, this what is what is the white psychosis? The white left psychosis. It's so like they're uh, they're trying to be in control. I think I like mean, we know better. We won't. We right. aren't dupes. We aren't suckers. We're not going to cross the line unconsciously. Well, and, and if gonna, you allow if you allow working class quote unquote people of color, which is a fake term, but if you allow them into the movement, then you realize that you can't use them as uh, a totem to enforce the rules that you've come up with for your own benefit, right? Because they might disagree with you. So, and if they do that, then that undermines your authority. So you have to get them out of there, or you have to separate segregate mm-hmm. you from from this from this population so that you can continue to exercise them as this kind of like magical sort of amulet, right. That you use and there's you wave that, it around. Right? And I think there's just all there's old fashioned Christian guilt. Mm. I think a lot of it this is, is very Christian on both sides. It's old Testament Christianity and new Testament Christianity, right? The black people are the suffering. People Wait a minute. The old that, Testament, they were Jews. Right? That's I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is ironic, right? Why they hate them. Um, but I mean, like on the right, it's Old Testament Christianity. We need to dominate. Uh, Yahweh is a fucking war god, right? Mm-hmm. We need to dominate over people, conquer. And that's how it was reflected in the D.C. protest. But in like the Black Lives Matter protest and the young lady in question, it was we need to protect these people because my people have done something to right. you. And now we need to pay. We need to sacrifice. Well, there's right? also we need a to totally paternalistic ourselves. character to it. Like these in these uh, passive passenger victims who are totally incapable of taking care of themselves, sure. taking care of not it's just like, that. Yeah, that's the white man's burden part of it. But I think it's also a martyrdom complex, a martyrdom complex that comes from guilt. Is well, what I, I think, think that that captures left psychology pretty well, but it doesn't sort of display the the full sort of grandeur of leftist larping. I mean, 
Yeah, but but should we talk about leftist LARPing or should we talk about this as kind of mainstream American political LARPing? Right. Yes. Because that's the thing I think ultimately. I, I think that fundamentally, if you look at the Tea Party and and like I understand what you're saying, that there is some kind of nugget of legitimate political activity somewhere in Black Lives Matter, you know, and I and I get that. But I think that the overwhelming sort of majority of of the people protesting there are basically just liberal LARPers, right? In the same way that the Tea Party and the the Trump coup it's are conservative LARPers, That's what protesting right? Is, I think the character that connects them both is that the protest is the ends for yeah. most of the people there. But the problem is, is that you have a large section of those protests, or, or you have a small section of mm-hmm. those protests where they're the ends the ends are not the protests. There are demands. Yeah. Just and you have to look at that's the difference in them. The difference in the demands in the DC protests were a coup. We want right. Trump to take this shit over, <laughs> even though he lost based off of a lie, right? Yeah. They believe it. So I'm not gonna vilify them for right. believing a lie because anyone everyone believes lies at some yeah. point. Uh, working through your own biases is extremely difficult. And on the Black Lives Matter section, the demands were, you know, stop shooting black people. We want some economic parity because that's right. the, the core issue. And you have to think if the, what I try to think of it as is what if people get what they want? Yeah. Right. What if these demands are met? Which one is um, better or worse for society? Well, I, I do think, though, so you can you can interpret Black Lives Matter as having this kind of broadly social democratic to socialist set of demands, right, which is basically re- redistributive and we, we want a functioning safety net and we want less, you know, racial bias and policing, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at the actual demands that that kind of came to predominate the movement at a certain point, it was abolish the police, right, which is I would say not quite as nonsensical. I would say abolish, defund the police, right? Let's, let's well, be but, more but correct. there was this confusion, well, that, right? That's the confusion. We can talk right. about the confusion, but abolish the police is what really came, or defund the police is what came out of it. That's the demand. That's the demand that that I, I think that came out of the protests once people realized that you can't actually run around trying to get your city council okay. to abolish the police. So let's right. scale it back. But I think the so initial protest the funding to teachers or something, right. and then it's like, what the fuck are you doing? But I think at the core for black people, it was defund the police, and it wasn't. It wasn't even really defund the police at the core of what black people wanted. I don't even think they wanted people to defund the police necessarily. They were just saying we need people. money. We want the, the murder to stop. Right. And we know that that is, I think what was good is they recognized that was an economic issue. This is a um, we want more funding in our communities because these are crimes of poverty that are being overly policed. Yeah. So we want them to stop killing. We want them to stop being in charge of mental health. We want them to stop broken windows policy and that type of thing. So it wasn't even really defund the police. At its core, it was put money in these communities yeah. and a good place to get it from right, is, the is these police. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that that sort of wing of Black Lives Matter, you can you can make the same that that is sort of a legitimate and co- and coherent social democratic demand. Right. But there was also the other wing funding. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can quibble with it, you can agree or disagree, but I think the fundamental point is that that demand it makes more sense than the Trump coup demand. Police right? would have been more. Effective. That would have been more effective. Sure. That's what we were arguing with socialist alternative <laughs> was those slogans. So well, that was obviously in the air if we recognized yeah. I mean, it ourselves. They, what they say is basically you just have to take up what people say, and then you have to work with like the Plato you're molding into something right. that, is just that, whatever people say. 
Right. In, in, a, in a way that's similar to right populism, right? Like that's that's the kind of thing that you'll hear uh, Malcolm Kiuna saying about what the Urubu Party does in Sweden, right? Where it's like it's not our job to formulate demands. It's our job to listen to the people and kind of run on whatever they're saying at, at a given moment, right? Like if the people are saying we want this sort of immigration policy, then we just give it to them, right? Well, I think that's lame Trotskyite stuff. Yeah. Well, because – because. I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know just what opportunism, says, but... right? It's and and it can arise from either you know from any wing of the political spectrum. But I do want to go back to Black Lives Matter because I think there is a, you know, if you look at Black Lives Matter and you and you take out the part that has a recognizable policy demand, you're still left with this other part, which is right. abolish the police. You know, this kind of bizarre, you know, well, it's utopian world. anarchism, right. right? It's utopian anarchism, sure. And I think if you, if you look at that thing and you compare it to the Trump coup, that's very similar, right? Like. <laughs> Yes, I, that's where we agree. Right. And I think that Black Lives Matter was obviously a lot bigger than that core constituency. And so you can you can find a lot more stuff in Black Lives Matter, whereas the Trump coup, you know, it's small. Like it was it was a single protest in D.C. and it hasn't really it expanded. It did, but, but me, nothing like Black Lives Matter. Let me throw this out right? there. Like, though, maybe we come back to it because there's still some loose ends here. Mm. But I contest the very notion that it was a coup. It was well, yeah, we're calling it a coup, right? It was yeah. just an absurd spectacle. We're talking, well, like a like an like an asinine buffoonish night on the town where people just embarrass themselves. Yeah, but if we're talking about like the core elements that we're talking about, where this shit matters, like the um, not the the protest is the ends, but the actual demands. It, it was a coup for them. That's what they wanted. Well, that's it's a coup in their stupid narcissistic echo chamber of an imagination. Right. So just like abolish the police is is abolish the police, but right. you know, in in their own particular echo chamber. But okay, so are we saying then that both? So I hate that's the terms. similarities. But now we're talking about we're talking about the similarities now we were talking about originally what are the differences in the core demands and there are differences and they come from two different places and we're both we're recognizing that there are core demands and there is a separate contingent in both movements quote um that has core demands there are core demands to mm -hmm. these things mm -hmm. but beyond that most of the participants they're not interested in those core demands they're interested in Having a story, yeah, to tell well, that's their the friends and kids. Dimension. They're already they're already anticipating it being over and being able to like show the selfies to their grandkids. It's like <laughs> you don't actually want to achieve anything. You just want to weave a dream. And narrative. that's what kills me about the people that they're going after right now. All the pictures that they're posting right. <laughs> up are the fucking goobers who were. Uh, I mean, my man is obviously like not mentally stable if he's putting his feet up on Pelosi's desk and he doesn't expect to get caught. And that's the person that they're posting up as the representation. They're um, a bunch of clowns. Yeah, they're posting up the clowns because it makes it easier to digest. When there right. is a man who had a truck full of Molotov cocktails and guns, yeah. and but there's a man another with a guy, truck full of Molotov Molotov cocktails is also a clown. But I mean, he that, needs to be found. That's a clown that's dangerous. Sure, sure, sure. But it is, but but just this bozo versus the Joker. Yeah, it is <laughs> no. the Joker. That also might be something we're talking about. Right. Suppose so with me for a second, Joker. like what. What kind of mental space would you have to think yourself into for it to seem plausible that a van full of Molotov cocktails would be anything of the order of what you would need in order to stage a coup in the single most advanced military superpower in the fucking world? Because you thought the most advanced military superpower was on your side. And all you need to do is well, set it off. Or you just have no comprehension of this that stuff. That too. You, you, just, you don't have the mental framework that allows you to understand how 
complex systems function, right? And so, like, you watch a Hollywood movie or you play a video game where this kind of stuff occurs, right? Where, like, the people show up in a given place and then things change, right? Like, like the Red Tea Party, Dawn, right? Like, like the movie Red Dawn, Bane. where it's yeah. just a bunch of this kids fighting off the This is more superhero movie shit right. than Red Dawn. This yeah. is Bane. <laughs> yeah. I have a nuclear bomb. We're gonna but blow think, it up. But like, I think at bottom, it's the same fantasy that as what motivated Red Dawn, because Red Dawn was basically, like... Um, some high school football kids, they're going to single-handedly fight off the whole Russian army. Yeah, the Wolverines, of course. I mean, it worked. It fucking did. <laughs> it worked in the movie. It did. <laughs> fucking worked. It's not a movie. It's a documentary for <laughs> some people. Right? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, yeah, but I mean, that's the core That's the core <laughs> dynamic here, right? Is that the American population is co- totally alienated from any sort of mass political institution that could structure its thought process extremely propagandized and hypermediatized, you know, with these pop culture products that well, kind there's of no handle on reality, no handle on reality. Right. And, and it's been cooped up inside and, you know, the money's running out. And, you know, in, in the case of the, the DC, um, quote unquote coup or insurrection, like there's been a debate about, you know, to what extent these were working class and what extent they were petty bourgeois or whatever, whatever. Right. But under the one commonality here is that under, the uh, pandemic restrictions, both the petty bourgeoisie and the working class are suffering, right? And that sort of is the distinction that we can make between that element of society and the upper middle class, which is largely working from home and fine, right? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, to- I, would, I, w- I was thinking about this recently. I read a paper by um, Thomas Piketty. It's called Brahmin Left and Merchant mm-hmm. Right. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. He, I, think, I think there's something to this, this whole... Um, PMC antipathy among people on the left. I think it is directed at the left, more or less liberals. And um, so I think this right-wing iteration of the same sort of indignation or whatever, the right-wing version is is a petty petty bourgeoisie thing, a petty bourgeoisie lumpen thing. And then on the, on the left side, you know, you've got these protests. I think it's PMC lumpen yeah. coalition. But it was interesting. I, I saw some... I think Adam told me the a lot of the people in the um, in the in this bullshit in DC, they're independent business owners, six figure. Types. Yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not yeah. like the stereotype of the poor worker. Yeah, well, that's always been, that's been an ongoing question about Trump's base is like working class versus culturally working class small business owners, like where what proportion is what. Right. And if you look at different sort of magnitudes of Trump, Trump base voters, like you can mm-hmm. come up with different con- conclusions. But um, I mean, I, I think that the 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 core thing, though, here is that people are. People live in a fantasy, um, and it's not just about Fox News, right? If you look at sort of the Black Lives no, Matter not. thing. Fox News is fucking normal compared to the <laughs> weird rabbit hole people have gone down. Do you know anything about this QAnon shit? Oh, yeah. QAnon is... Fox is, News is still pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up, yeah. but I mean... You talk to a QAnon person, you think, man, you really just need to go back. To well, they were already they were already saying that uh, that Trump speech when he said, please go home was deep faked and Trump is already dead by now and like all this other stuff. Oh so, God. you know, I mean, but um, that's always how it's functioned with Fox News. They've never been the, um, you know, extremist section of, you know, the right. They've always been kind of the filter. So the problem with Fox News isn't that they're super radical or they radicalize people, it's that they give legitimacy to the radicalization of people. So you'll see Fox News move further and further right as 
Rush Limbaugh moves them further and further right, for example. I don't know. Fox News can be, I mean, back into, I was recently reading an Adam Two's book about the crash in 2008 and it was like a flashback. I hadn't thought about it since, since 2010 or so really like that. Glenn Beck was saying that hyperinflation was going to follow from, um, from the bailouts and stuff under Obama. And, uh, I think they were really fear mongering and doing panic shit. I don't know. I think Fox news has to a certain extent, um, but by now, I mean, the QAnon shit just blows that a lot. Yeah, well, and Alex Jones, right? And, you know, all this other stuff, like, and, and One American News, and there, there's an entire ecosystem now as mainstream social media has started to purge kind of the far right in general. Um, they've retreated to these kind of beyond the pale sectors where there are no restraints whatsoever. Like Fox News has business restraints on what mm-hmm. it says, right? Um it doesn't want to go too far because then advertisers will stop hawking like erection pills and like right. gold selling. Like and, when O'Reilly, when O'Reilly finally right. got. But, you know, these other, these, these kind of far flung, you know, fringe websites have no compunctions about any of that stuff. Um, and so they can say whatever the fuck they want. And I think that we're, we're going to see now that Fox News may not really have the hold on the, the Trump base that, it has had, you know, historically. Um, and we already saw this a little bit when initially in the 2016 primary, when Trump was running, um, Fox News tried to kind of push back against him a little bit and it didn't really work out. And then they kind of went all in oh, because they really tried to push back against right. Trump in 2016 and it didn't work. And, and what I'm saying to that is I don't think uh, Fox News has ever been the mechanism for radicalizing yeah. people since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always functioned as a filter. I think Fox News always goes with the wind. Um, so it's it's basically um, I heard an interesting so you're saying that Fox News does tail I mean, I heard an interesting thing because I want to get back. I thought it was interesting when you were, were saying that both uh, movements are kind of like a backlash against liberalism. And somebody on CNN, I don't remember who, might have been Smirconish, his show. Mm-hmm. But um, somebody came on and said that the job of the right right now is to de-radicalize the Trump uh, section of the party. Mm-hmm. And... W- like the backlash of like the leftists right now against this DC protest has been to do counter protests. And what I thought in my mind is if the liberals job, cause li- like Fox news is liberal to me, it's mm-hmm. the liberal part of the right of the conservative movement. And if the job of the centrist now or Fox news is to de-radicalize these people, then our job isn't to de-radicalize these people with them or to destroy them is to, continue the radicalization but in a direction that we want the radicalization to go because right now they're just functioning on lies right so if this is being broken down if the grift is you know revealed for what it is and if they're susceptible to QAnon and any type of truth right then you just have to give them the correct analysis and not only but that is something you can try to do is offer a correct analysis and maintain that radicalization in a direction that is productive to your movement they don't necessarily have to be your enemies off the jump they might be but they don't have to be and i would go so far as to say that a socialist movement in the united states cannot accomplish anything if this sector of the population is 
overwhelmingly hostile to it and and it's overwhelming ho- hostile to to the sector of the population right like leftists hate this part of the yeah, american population but but you need them right like the working class is the working class and be that working class in built up urban areas or in small towns and rural areas you need to unite all wings of it right if you want to mm-hmm. actually put forward working class demands and have a working class movement the problem is is whether you need them or not, right? You you don't necessarily need them, but if you don't need what them, do you, you have to destroy them, right? So you have options in well, any you do need them. in any you, like all. There's always going to be people who do not agree. There was a working class component to slavery, right? right you don't yeah. need them, but the thing is, what was the result? What happened to that working class component that was in that was in favor of slavery? They had to be destroyed. So what you're saying is that if you do not find a way. Um, compassionately or otherwise to empathize with people, to see them as workers and to bring them to your movement, you're going to have to figure out ways to destroy them. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is through conflict, which the left is averse to. Well, the only way you're going to be able to do that is by finding allies in another class sector of society, in which case you're no longer a left, right? Like if you are a kind of upstairs, downstairs, kind of middle class, working class coalition, and you're fighting another upstairs, downstairs, like capitalist working class coalition, like neither of you is the left. Well, that's that why moment, we need right? Or you just schism the parts of the working class, but the that's rural why working class people. versus the, the, the uh, you know, industrial working class or uh, against the... Um, like the PMC work, you have to. You, so. you would just have to break up those parts of the working class, and that's not what what that really means. Is what the result is going to be is since you don't have the same conditions as the Soviet Union and like war and military um, uh, mutinies. Since you don't have that catalyst, you're gonna have to. Hurt, you're gonna have to. You know, put you're gonna have to implement violence on these people. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to violently respond to people, which is something that the left isn't ready for. It's something that I'm not the ready right for. Is ready for, but they just don't know how to coordinate it. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't. Know I what they're think doing. even from looking at this protest, I don't even think they're yeah. ready for it. Right. I don't think they are. Right. They think they're ready for it. They like to think they're ready for it, but at the end of the day, they they're not prepared. Well, and thank God too, because that's not the direction anyone should go in. I think it is clear though that. <clears throat> The Democrats consist of a coalition of capitalists and lumpen workers and minorities and the right wing of the Democrats choosing. I'm not saying minorities without quotation marks. Um, And then the right wing consists of a coalition of capitalists and then so elites and petty bourgeoisie and, and lumpen as well. And the question is, I mean, all the workers who just don't do anything, I mean... Either you got to get them, you got to you got to reach out for the right wing indignation, people who swung from Obama to that. I don't know, but I, I don't think it's safe to say we don't need X Y Z people. I mean, for a working class political movement, you need all the working people for a proper one, for yeah. one that doesn't devolve into a degenerated worker state like the Soviet Union. Or, because you're going to want you have to apply just oppression to, just to succeed at anything you're going to need yeah. I mean like we were talking about the time before last there are now 18 million millionaires in America right and so that's the number you're going to need if they just vote in line with their economic interest they're going to vote in a block and so if you were just going to do electoral politics if you wanted worker a workers party you'd have to have a party of at least 18 million people just to break even and what yeah. I'm and saying we is are, you can get that. people are saying like oh my god we've got 80 85,000 or 100,000 in DSA, it's like, that is right. That is a drop in the ocean. 
And what I'm saying is you can get that 18 million without the, uh, you know, right wing conspiracy theory side of the working class. You well, can I don't know. Do That's that. an interesting thing, because I think a conspiracy, a person who's susceptible to conspiracy theory is everybody is a person who is who has an appetite for explanation, but yeah. just doesn't mm. have the doesn't have the intellectual grit. And I don't mean that. Go with this. I like this. I don't mean that disrespectfully, <laughs> but I mean, that's a person who wants an explanation, who's ready to break with immediate appearance and say the world is not as it appears to be. Right. But they just don't have the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, this sort of, and I, again, I don't mean this as an insult, I, but I think conspiracy theories are failed explanations. You distinguish between oh, appearance yeah, and reality or appearance and essence, and then you think of it in terms of personal you know, there's someone pulling the strings. Well, well that's why um, I, it was Bostone, right, who says that anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools, right? And he, right. he's saying that because it offers an explanation, but it's the wrong explanation, right? And um, it's the same thing with conspiracy theories of both the 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 right wing's variety and also, you know, this kind of apolitical conspiratorialness that I'm very familiar with coming from an Arab immigrant background where who the fuck knows if my relatives are right wing or left wing. Right. But they sure as hell believe in conspiracy theories mm -hmm. of all varieties. Right. Um, well, there's a family resemblance between religion, religion, I would say, and conspiracy theory, because what you're basically assuming is a distinction between being or appearance, essence and uh, appearance. And so... You know, the world looks one way, but it's actually another. Yeah. And so these, you know, Whether I, I think religion or physics, there, there's or something to there's something to some sector of the Trump base. Um, and it may not be sort of the hardcore conspiratorial sector, but it may kind of have swung in that direction a little bit just to figure out explanations for like why, you know, and the, the Obama Trump Bernie voter, the Obama Bernie Trump voter is, I think, a key constituency here. Right. Because there is this entire segment of the population that voted Obama because they thought he would change something. And then when he didn't, they kind of bifurcated. Some of them went towards Bernie and then some of them went towards Trump and some of them went towards Bernie and then towards Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if we can provide explanations that make sense to these people, there's no reason that they should be hostile to us. Right. Well, that's another question, because, you know, one thing I wonder is. Um, an explanation that makes sense to these people. When I hear some of the things that are said, some of it is just so absolutely insane and outlandish. I just wonder whether um, whether the criteria with which these people judge is isn't just totally corrupt. I don't know how much of this QAnon shit you've heard, but like, well, I mean, but then you you look at what happened with Jeffrey Epstein, right? Where it's like everyone that I know believes that Jeffrey Epstein was killed. Right. Like, I don't I don't really know a single person who thinks that he actually committed suicide. Right. And so it's like you've got a huge sector of the population that has already taken the first step towards conspiracy in the sense that there there may be a super secretive cabal of pedophiles who run society and they may have killed this guy in prison. And they, you know, it's only once you start down that road, you can kind of see how someone might keep going down that road past the point where it seems reasonable. But that doesn't mean you can't be like, hey, you kind of went too far down the wrong right. path, but this actually explains everything that you're concerned about, you know, like over here. So, Well, here's why? the rub, though. Here's the rub, because there is a ruling class of people um, who have wealth, which equals power. Uh, the question is whether you conceive of it as a class or whether you conceive of it as just individuals. And then further... 
um, is it a ruling class um, which happens to contain some some sexual deviance, or is it an essential <laughs> property of the ruling class that they are cannibalistic Satan worshiping pedophiles? <laughs> I think the conspiracy theorist thinks that there's something really important about the fact that they are cannibals, Satan, mm. Satanists, and pedophiles. Whereas I think a, a Marxist would say, well, pff, I mean, of course they're going to have weird predilections right. because they have power. Right. And, and they can do whatever they want, but the important thing is that they have the power. Right. And so the question is, why do these people fixate so, so much on, on that stuff? And that, that seems to. Can, can another thing that kind of connects, this is another thing that mm. kind of connects uh, leftists and, you know, conservatives or right radicals is the individualism. I think that's what it is. I think you, you touched on it is that um, what they conceive the problem of as is individuals. So we're going to storm the Capitol mm -hmm. or the, yeah, we're going to go to the Capitol building and we're going to get rid of all of the politicians. We're going to do a citizen's arrest right. and that's going to change everything. Right. Um, because we got rid of these set of individuals that are causing the problems. Right. It's not a systems question. Right. It's an individual's question. Same thing the problem happens is on the Nancy left. Pelosi. The problem is yes. Chuck Schumer. I'm putting my shoes up on Nancy Pelosi's desk to teach her a lesson, not knowing <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi has masters she's beholden to mostly her own fucking money. Well, right. her power, um, I mean, she's worth 20, 125 exactly, million. Exactly, that's what I mean. Her own money is her master, right? And then on the flip side, you know, it, it's 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 also... Like the individual question of here's what I can do, right? It's this um, sense of power that people get from the individual that leads them towards conclusions that we don't need to organize. Well, they we also just think need that they could be that powerful individual. Destroy, yeah. Um, and I mean, a good example of this to the contrary, I will say in the Georgia election, I will give a, um, a shout out to uh, Stacey Abrams, right? There was a problem. She thought that she she never conceded her election because she thought that she was, um, you know, it thought it was stolen from her to some extent. What did she do? She didn't go out saying people need to rise up and get in the streets. She started getting people out to vote. That was her form of organizing people. And that's an example of what people on the left and on the right. If you have these problems need to do, you need to start organizing people. Not necessarily for electoralism, but you need to start or you like that's the power is organ organization. And I think both of them are antithetical to organization because that that's a burden because then you have to apply real democracy. And I think both groups actually don't like democracy because they're individuals. They hate it. Democracy means you have to give up your individuality in service of what the collective deems as priority well you have to reconcile yourself with the fact that you are a part of society and you are not the center of the world and i think left and right in america i mean because ultimately let's back up and not use the words the way that we use them in the parochial american sense everyone in america is a lib in, a, in america is a liberal in the classical european sense everyone is is talking about individuals with liberties rights duties and the the, the dis disagreement is which rights and duties people have I mean, hmm. liberals say, I have a right to an abortion. Conservatives say, no, you don't. But the ultimate horizon is individuals with liberties, so rights and duties. And so they're all liberals. And, and at the bottom of that is the insistence that I'm an individual fundamentally in a way that's irreducible to my membership participating in society. And, and that, I think, is important for socialists to recognize because I don't want to make this into a political identity, but if you're a socialist, then you think that that's false. 
You think, no, an individual is fundamentally social through and through. You're only a human among other humans. And so you're not an individual first. You're a part of a, of a community. And, and they hate that. And a good example of that is, I think, I mean, please give me an example from the right, because the point isn't to single out liberals, although I do enjoy it. Um, I mean, take, 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 a, take a, you know, take a liberal feminist who would say like, okay, you say, let's put it to a referendum, right? Test their commitment to democracy. We'll just say like, this can't happen, but let's say you had a federal referendum tomorrow on abortion rights, reproductive rights. And let's say, I mean, the over, this is just hypothetical. It's just a test intuition. It's like a thought experiment. Let's say 90% of America evenly distributed over the entire geographical region said, no, we don't want that. I think a lot of North American liberals would say, well, to hell with what they want. I know that it's right and it should be the case. So fuck them. And I think that's when you get to the core, the authoritarian core of, um, of, um, I would say Anglophone humans. North American liberalism. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in different, you know, you know, mutatis mutandis with the right. I mean, they, they have this too. Like, what if everybody said no gun? What if everyone said gun control? They'd say, well, you know, fuck them. I want my guns. Well, Point I, is just I think these, what both sides would say is the vote was rigged. There was some, you know, nowadays. Well, that's what tests their commitment. No, yeah. I think that's the difference in the right and left. I think the right think would say right. that the they vote. They don't like democracy. Right. I think the, the right would say that the vote is rigged. I think that, that, those are the type of fantasies that they drum up. Yeah. Right. Because I they, they assume they are correct. They assume that they are correct right. as individuals. So they're going to work out a, a conspiracy theory why this was rigged. On the left, they're going to say it's rigged in an abstract way, as in society is building this up right. to be rigged. Right. People are and, just too stupid. And right. that's why. And, um, yeah. and I think another example of the right where they get a lot of their cues is from I think climate change is a good one. Right. You're going to seek out information as to why people are wrong about the data on climate change. Yeah. And all you need um, and, and, and this is where the individual individualism comes back into play is all you need is the information that agrees with you. If I can find a certain amount of information that proves my thesis, then I am correct. And that that's right. well, you know, my my uncle is a farmer in Kansas um, and he is a Republican and a, you know, a, a Trump supporter to at least a certain extent. Um, you know, and he doesn't think climate change is real in spite of the fact that there's plenty of data showing the variation in temperatures and rainfalls in Kansas where he lives, right, where he farms. And it's like, you know, his his certainty is so great that it's almost like. You know, he, he's got to have a point, right? Like he his livelihood depends on this fact. He can't possibly be so deluded. But, you know, he he can be and he is. And um, yeah, it, it's it's really shocking the extent to which in 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 this country, people are able to plumb the depths of total delusion even past the point where it actually starts hurting them to do so, right? Like where where there's no there's no benefit to what they're doing for themselves. Well, they the want to fuck term. their opponents so badly that they're right. ready to fuck themselves. I mean, yeah. that's one thing I noticed with the so-called post-left. Man, I got into this a number of times. Like maybe we shouldn't go down this rabbit hole yet, but I mean... Let's go down it. All right, well, 
like defund the police, re- reallocate funds to um, teachers. That's yeah. Get, get in. Well, okay. The number of things you could say about that. I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So I read on this this article in the Bellows. Yeah. By um, Malcolm Shona. Yeah. About how this cry for defunding the police is basically just a cry for PMC jobs. Yeah. And I thought, wow. You know, I I hadn't I hadn't really thought of that like that. I mean, that's just their class politics. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, the question is like, do you really hate them enough to <laughs> deny people who need teachers teachers? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, is your solution defund the teachers and refund the police? Like, at a certain point, you have to adjudicate which of these institutions is overfunded and which is underfunded. And the same thing goes with with a debt cancellation. People say, oh, well... Student loan cancellation, that's just a handout to the PMC, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what the fuck? I mean, think every, every, every financial burden of one person is another person's financial, every person, one person's financial liability is another person's financial asset. So if you cancel XYZ's loans, then ABC's financial um, assets are destroyed. So that's wealth destruction. That's class warfare. If executed properly, and they would they would say don't do it because that's a handout for the PMC. I'm thinking, my God, you know you're gonna you're gonna give your enemy a handout to spite your your bully or something. Yeah, but I I, I want to go back to the um to the cancel auto loans thing. I mean, we should cancel all the loans because yeah, we should. But because the financial assets of the ruling class. So you guys, okay? I, I, so I just got here. Mm. Right. Welcome. Thank you. So, so what we've have been I going missed? through like. You know, is it, is it, so we were talking about the so-called coup. We're, I deny right. that this is a coup. I thought it was just a stupid. I don't think any of us believe it's a coup. It was like a Sammy Hagar reunion tour concert. I mean, I think that, I and think that the left, it, I think we're it saying, had the potential for something very, I think it had the potential if things had gone a certain way for things to get really out of hand. Mm-hmm. But as it was, obviously, but a, I think a, that, a significant amount, a, a, a significant number of them were just kind of there to, Right. I don't know. Hang out. Get selfies and shit. Yeah. Like it's. But the the LARPing character is what unites both the left and the right. Right. Um, And that's what we were talking about then. And then, you know. Although they're better at it than we are, frankly. Really? I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know. It's weird because. I don't know. They just fucking walked in. That's like a weird thing. I would never condone this. And when they did it, I thought, why did you do this? Because strategically, it's a train wreck of a shitstorm of a mess. But. When that cop shop got burned down in Minneapolis, I thought, wow. Yeah, no, that was good. That was, that was better than what they did. I'm fine with in, that. In DC. I, I think that normalizing storming the Capitol is probably a good thing over the long term. I, like think, if, I think we should normalize physically assaulting elected members of yeah, the government. Yeah, sure. absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I think that like, they should yeah. like, leave their house and be like, shit, am I going to fucking get spit right. on today? Or? They should live in fear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. Um, and But but you go back to sort of the... Wait, wait, wait. CIA, um, <laughs> me, and I, I I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to speak for Daniel. Thaddeus. Daniel hasn't said anything either. Thaddeus and saying, Daniel don't believe we you should, should assault elected officials. No, you're just saying, saying we should, we should fear. kill them. I'm just saying, right. like, wink, you wink. know... They should be afraid of us, frankly. Is that, is that what people call a dog whistle? Yes. What? A dog where where you you say something that I'm not saying they should well. <laughs> a dog whistle is generally like a racist thing. Oh, okay, well I'm just stupid. Edit that out. 
<laughs> CIA editor. <laughs> well, Daniel's in the CIA, so Daniel, don't kill me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you think about sort of how tame Americans are in terms of their protest culture, right? Like in France, like riots happen every other year where there's massive property damage and so on and so forth. And like, if you try to build an airport somewhere, you can be absolutely certain that protesters are going to kill fewer people though. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Well, I think part of it is that, you know, there's, there's just fewer guns, but also like the police are less militarized. And so, well, we've been trained who to hate. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, like he's, like you said, you can outsource your violence to the police. That's one thing. And you've been trained to hate poor people. Poverty is hated here. Yeah. So you just focus your hate on impoverished people rather than the powerful. We do hate the poor. It's, it's hard to underestimate how much most people really despise poor people. In this Everyone country. thinks of themselves as a kind of entrepreneur or manager. Question is, though, going back to this, is so it's the lowest common denominator between the, the right political spectacle and the left political spectacle. I mean, are they all? Ju- are we all just LARPers? I mean, is there a difference? Is there any significant difference? Because I had people calling me the other day when this was happening, and they're like, "What? What? What's going on?" <laughs> like some of them from out of the country, yeah. some of them from in the country. Like, what do you think? What do you think? And I'm, you know, I've kind of got a hangover, and I'm just, you know, just getting up. Like, had my first coffee, and I'm like, "Oh, t- chill out." Well, I mean, there's a. Um there is definitely like a... My default assumption was, this is not serious. Yeah. I mean, I think that both the left and the right have a uh, a certain... I mean, a certain flavor of paranoia. You know what I mean? And hysteria, really, I think is the big one. Well, um, I think secretly everyone wants the end to come. Sure. They want this to be the final one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? I mean, so like, think of like a a movie like Olympus. Have you guys seen Olympus Has Fallen? No. I know what you're talking about, but no. It's one of those action movies where they take the White House and it, you know, Olympus is the code name for the White House, I think. Or maybe it's the code name for the president. I think it's the code name for the White House. Anyways. It's one of those guys. Who's that fucking guy who's uh, in all the action movies? Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Yeah, yeah. This fan knows. Um, anyway, it's real cheesy. But I feel like that's, you know, when, when those guys stormed the Capitol, that's, I think, in their minds that that's what they thought they were that's doing. They were. Climbing the walls. Right. You know, it, it, like sort of staging um, these ideas of or these fantasies of resistance which Mm -hmm. the left has their own versions of which are you know fucking stupid or whatever um but that's what they both neither side i feel like really amounts to they're both like the bundy do you think it's like the bundy ranch no i I think the bundy ranch had a purpose yeah i think that they were much more organized and much more they, they, they also, were like the Bundy Ranch was people, there would have been deaths left and right. You because know I, mean? I remember seeing a video around the time of the Bundy Ranch with this guy doing a selfie recording in the in the truck, and he's like, Darla, it's important for me to tell you how much I love you. This is really important. We're defending the yeah. Constitution. My daughter's important to me, and blah, blah, blah. It's like... You're you're not gonna die in a blaze of glory, dumbass. You're gonna go down in handcuffs. I mean, the Bundy Ranch, they could have gone down in a blaze of glory. Was it one guy got killed? Sure, but still, who the fuck knew? And there, but I mean, they were right. I mean, but I mean, think of like right? the history of like right wing militia. I mean, 
Waco. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, the, um, uh, Ruby, Randy, Ruby Ridge. Randy, yeah, Ruby Ridge. Yeah, that Randy was him Weaver. documenting his blaze of glory to his yeah, family. Yeah, but I mean, what, what I've sensed there is that this guy wants to take a quote unquote stand and to like testify publicly to his belief about something and to say, this is important to me and I'm ready to die for it and I'm not going to go one step farther in this direction I disagree with. And for some reason that's psychologically gratifying or important to this person. And I sense that that's the case. I mean, you see like leftist protesters. I see this thing all the time when I'm, you know, it comes up in my news feed, like some, some, some leftoid woman who, you know, probably went to art school sitting lotus position naked in front of a line of cops. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, right, of course. it's I mean, a similar kind of, well, that's performance art and all performance art is bad. So we can set but this guy aside. quoting the constitution in his pickup truck to what he yeah, thinks is the last recording well, he ever I, sends to his family is also, it's just lump in performance art, isn't it? Sure. Sure. I, I'm being flippant when I say that obviously, but I don't think that's, I think he was scared. That's a fear he wasn't response. Scared. I mean, I think, I, I, think I think people want to, fe- I mean, here's the thing. I think people want to feel like they're doing something that matters. That's what I mean. This right? is important. Well, like it's think religious. About, think about the way we live. Our life is fucking meaningless, man. That's the truth. That's I the mean, good part it about it. Brutally <laughs> and just a cosmically insignificant. Yeah. And well, so and like, yeah, people are kind of trying to find things to feel like I'm doing something that matters. But but when they're trying to find things that that make them feel like they're doing something that matters, and it's like because they don't know what it is to do something that matters, mm-hmm. like it's a simulacrum of doing something that matters. It's right. what they think the movies have taught them about. It's what a person right? would do who had something that mattered right. to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's artificial. Right. 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 Of course. Of course. So let's do a fun thing with this. There's different like uh, movie archetypes for each type of psychosis. On the right, you guys pointed out like um, what was it? Uh, Red Dawn and Olympus. Olympus is falling. Yeah, uh, you know, on on the right or that that on the right, it's those two. And on the um, left, it's for right. liberals, it's like the West Wing. I'm gonna give a grand speech, and everyone's gonna <laughs> agree with me. Well, the leftists have They Live. Have you seen They Live? That's a good one. That's great. It's a great movie. You think They Live is the leftist version? I think so. I mean, they use aliens instead of capitalists, so it's kind of populist, but okay. but it's still left because it's got the anti-capitalist I thing. It. I like that movie. Best fight scene in Classic. any movie ever. I mean, don't people talk about like um, Money is your God shit? Oh, um, I don't know. I never... As like a critique of colonialism? I, I don't watch movies. I, I, I've only seen a handful of these Give movies. Give us a book. Right all I do is watch movies. Yeah. Give That's us some bit of fantasy, ever. you know? What do you do? If you, don't, if you don't watch movies, video games, obviously. Oh, okay, is Do there a video, video game? game? Right. Is there a right and left video game? Oh yeah, I'm sure there. Are, I mean, Call of Duty is pretty right, right? That's the yeah. The they Reagan's in the new one, so no, this is gotta, militaristic Call right, of Duty. Right. Last video game. Is I there remember a, like is a left Rainbow wing? Six. Like, I mean, Grand Theft Auto. I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grand Theft Auto is just lumping criminality, right? Right. Well, right. you um, could give a critique that Cyberpunk. Seven, 2077 yeah, is could. a left wing critique. It, Everything is about money. Uh, yeah, including the the shitty state of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every, so you're disappointed, huh? Yeah, I mean, everyone's it, disappointed. It's, it's, it's not just what unfinished. It be. Yeah, it's not. Mm. not I mean, you not. you anticipated so much. I remember hearing. Well, because they did such a good job with Witcher Three, so it's like obviously the studio knows how to make a good game. So why don't you? you know, and the game but, is beautiful, right? It's right. just incomplete. And yeah, and it doesn't run properly, and mm-hmm. and so they're going to take months to patch it, and so on and so forth. But, but yeah, it's an interesting. Interesting case study in in how 
capitalism can't even do its own job right, which is make money for shareholders, right? Like Cyberpunk would have made a lot more money for shareholders if they delayed it a couple of months and released a finished product. But they wanted to hit some kind of end of year target Shit. for some reason. So they released it early, cut into their profits on the orders, probably billions of dollars, right? In terms of like the, the decline in profits versus what they would have gotten if they well, released it. No, it, it, it's more of they do know how to make money for their shareholders because shareholders are not concerned about the profits a year uh, right. away. Just they're concerned about the and, quarter. Right. So we have yeah. to give you your dividends for this quarter. Oh, shit. It's not ready. You know, <laughs> um, how are we going to get them their dividends before they pull out and we lose all our shares? That's that's the problem. And then they release it. It's the same thing. It's like a bank capital type of situation. Right. We have all of these investors now into Toys R Us. We can't get them their dividends. If we don't get them their dividends, they're going to liquidate us. Right. Mm-hmm. So we better release some piece of shit so they can get some dividends. Or just sell the company off and fuck them. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's what, yeah, li- that's right. what liquidation is. And, and that's what they were afraid of. Right. And they made the right decision along capitalist lines. That's well, what and, and this is like um, Cyberpunk or not Cyberpunk. It's CD Projekt Red, the studio that made Cyberpunk and The Witcher, is like the towering Polish cultural achievement of, since like Chopin or whatever the last <laughs> you know, like, Polish, Polish achievement is that a bit of an oxymoron well yeah but I'm saying like they, they made just, it to the top right? just like Miłosz or something or in Chicago they made it to the top yeah. right and then, isn't Roman Polanski Polish yeah he yeah. is yeah there you go <laughs> we we all know know but CD Projekt has made more money than Polanski too I mean it's a yeah. It's a thing. I want. I want to know what you guys are talking about with auto loans. Well, Dude, I just, I'm interested. To this. I'm interested in that because we were talking about. Um, is it a good idea to cancel student loans and how the post left has started saying, well, instead of student loans, why don't we cancel auto loans? Because the authentic working class. Why the fuck would... Yeah, yeah, the the obsession with authentic and uh, authenticity and authenticity is fucking pseudo-political. Let's let's get rid of the loans on the thing with the most depreciating value. (laughs) Cars. Because that's really going to hurt capitalists because they can't make more fucking cars. Look Look into the facts... 80% 80% of bank operations, it's financial wealth creation and debt creation is financial wealth and debt net to zero. They're the same thing. It's identical. It's mortgages. Right. So if you really want to destroy financial, exactly. like in the most financialized country in the world, the oligarchies financialized, if you want to destroy their wealth, then you're going to have to cancel the debt obligations of the debtors. And when most of the bank uh, operations are mortgages, that means you're going to have to cancel Mortgages, and that means you're gonna have to give people their homes if you want to fuck the oligarchy. It's a twofer. Right. Now, now the question is, can you live with that? Like somebody out there, or like you imagine the most petty, small-minded uh, person, like someone somewhere is getting a free lunch. Does that bother you? Ugh. Like. Right. Someone's freezing somewhere and someone's giving right. them a coat it's that like, they didn't yeah, pay like for. Like, you fucked my wife 10 years ago and it really bothers me still. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of mentality. It's not even that level. It's lower than <laughs> well, that. I mean, no, it is. It's, it's a sort of like other people can't enjoy. We don't want other people to have. Just so long as I know someone's getting something for free. Well, no. It's, it's more like uh, I suffered. Therefore, other people... You have you know, to suffer. If yeah, you enjoy, for you real. And I have to believe I suffered, right? Even though I did I paid off my auto but. loan. I paid off my mortgage. If someone else gets that paid off, right. like, you know, my uncle died of cancer. I mean, pff, 
if they cure right. cancer for your uncle, that's not fair to my uncle. What's also funny with that is these are the people who always say, don't you want to leave something for your children? I remember I had this conversation with a buddy of mine. Still, I love the dude, right? One of my best friends. And he said, don't you want to leave something for your kids? And I was like, yeah, I want to leave something for my kids. I want to leave them health care. I want to leave them a house. I want to leave them a fucking education. I want to leave them a federal jobs guarantee. There you go. That's what I want to leave my I kids. I want to leave them a democracy. It's going to be net more than I could ever leave them with inheritance because I'm a normal guy. So that's that's the funny part about that. And I, mm-hmm. that's where I wonder where the confusion comes from, because then it does distill it down to pure jealousy. I don't I mean, want you to have this because I had to right. suffer. And then that's just psychological pettiness. I mean, the thing is, it's a mil- it's a trillion and a half dollars of student loan debt. If you if you liquidated that politically the right way, like namely, whoever bought that debt's not going to get it. Right, no right. quantitative easing or whatever. Nothing. Yeah. Then what you've done is destroyed a trillion and a half dollars <clears throat> worth of wealth. Yeah. And that is class warfare. Just making sure. I'm just making sure this works. All right. Kosher. Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. So. How could you be against it? Like, you're going to give a handout to somebody you don't like, but you're also going to cripple your enemy. Right. Yeah. I mean, so like the the other argument that you could make is in a world of limited sort of um, possibilities for redistributive um, policy, it would be better to have a progressive redistributive policy than a mildly regressive one, which is what they argue student loan forgiveness is. Um, So instead of reducing all the student loans, you take the amount of money that you would have spent on that and just give everyone their share of that. Right. So everyone gets five thousand dollars instead of the student loan people getting twenty thousand or whatever. Why is that better? I don't know. I mean, but that's the argument that I see pop up a lot. But that's not class politics. That strikes me as some sort of weird utilitarianism thing. Also, weird egalitarianism, which is not consistent with socialism or Marxism in a way. Like, um, if you're a socialist or a Marxist, then you want to wage class politics. And what that means is you want to destroy, because wealth is power, and you want to destroy the power of your opponent, therefore you want to destroy their wealth. Simple Mm -hmm. argument. And so every financial asset corresponding financial liability, you want to cancel that liability to cancel that asset. And because you want to destroy the wealth, you want to destroy the power of your opponent. Right. And so every opportunity you can get, you should take Mm -hmm. because the goal is to cripple your opponent. Does, does canceling car loans cripple anyone? Whoever owns that debt. But so the thing about car loans is that they can be discharged in bankruptcy, right? So. Right. Well, that's why student loans are especially important because I mean, those people, myself included, um, I mean, it's just like, I mean, this shit will follow you to the grave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my father got, when my father died in 2007, he still still had student loan debt and whatever money I would have gotten from him the government took for his student loan debt. And the fucked up thing is this. If you understand basic monetary operations at the federal level, I mean, those things aren't going into any fund. They're just, they're just deleting negative numbers. Right, 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 right. That money didn't go anywhere. No, it was just, just went to the inflation gods. Right. Yeah. It was just destroyed. Yeah. It was just a sick, uh, fuck you to like a dead, dead person's kids. And his whole family. Yeah. Would you call that a wealth tax? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, negative wealth tax. My father, who like never made more than forty grand a year, and fucking drank himself to death. <laughs> so, do we come to a consensus on? Well, auto I think loans? I think well, I think a considerable portion of the left needs to overcome its own uh, psychological. I don't know how to call it resentment, bitterness, or whatever. Like, like it's guilt. Well, I don't know if it's even that. Like, no, it's envy. Destroying mm. your enemy is going to mean you have to be a big boy and get over your antipathy well, towards the the. I think the priorities come from guilt, though. I think the post left thing is not envy. I think it's um, this doesn't help the certain segment that is lumping right. This doesn't help the pores. Because we see them, at, we're, we're better than them. This doesn't help the poor's, so we need to do something that helps the poor's first. So we're going to go with auto loans well, because let's put this, poor people I mean, can't pay for their cars. To illustrate <laughs> what I'm trying to say, let's put it in like, like what poor person is buying a new car, right? A poor person is buying a used, used car, car for six thousand dollars, right? A lot of poor people are buying new cars because they get duped into it with right. subprime yeah, loans. Yeah. But despite that, if you were thinking correctly and you're like, let's prioritize the poor's let's do home loans let's do rent well let's let's put it in super mario brother terms like let's say there are like six bosses right and you got to beat each boss they get bigger and bigger and bigger and you want to fuck princess ultimately well you're gonna but you wanna well let's not get ahead of yourself (laughs) it's an obligation you gotta beat the bosses first that's also very offensive um that's fine (laughs) but let's say let's say some magic mushroom jumps out of the woodwork and says to you adam um, tell you what, we'll work out this deal where the lowest boss gets free lunch and the biggest boss just spontaneously combusts and you can go straight to princess if you push this red button and you're like, Hmm, dilemma, dilemma, dilemma. I really, I really don't like that low boss. I really don't like that low boss because you know what? He always, you know, he breathes through his mouth and he's got bad breath and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Can you overcome it? I mean, I could, because I'm selfish. Well, that's the thing. It, it doesn't seem like it's so hard, but for some people on the left, it's very hard. If, if you look at the actual class position of a lot of the post-leftists, though, um, you've got PMCs, you've got failed PMCs, you've got right. failed petty bouge. Um, and that that's kind of, so I, I know the psychology of it is interesting because to a certain extent, you can see certain of them are like, okay, well, they couldn't cut it as these kind of PMC lizard people in whatever context they were in. So now they're just right. angry about it and they're lashing out, right? Right, and that's why, I mean, if you look at their online behavior, look at who they target. Mm. They target Garbage Ape and Carl Beiser. <laughs> like, Carl Beiser, who's like a guy who just, like, posts on Substack and, like, teaches adjunct at some university somewhere. Ouch. And, like, Garbage Ape, who's he's just a like worthy a... worthy target. He's just like a guy. Right. Like, he's literally... I mean, I know more about him, I'm not gonna say, but, like, he's just like a dude who, like, lives in the Midwest. No fucking... He doesn't publish, <laughs> but they, they treat them like they're... Important. Like, it's the media... They treat them like here. they're the fucking CNN of the left or something. Well, this is a Twitter problem. It's a pit. It's just a pit you fall well, it's into. It's like stupid. La Brea it's pathetic. Pit. It's honestly pathetic. It's crazy to me that they even care what well, either of those two guys... I mean, I like both of them. They're fine people. Whatever. But like, who fucking cares what garbage ape or? It kind of it kind of seems like the post left has been imploding though recently. I think the Trump with victory or sorry, right. they thought Trump was going to win, he didn't win, and that seems to have caused some sort of schism that I don't really follow, and that kind of precipitated just a general unraveling of 
the the quote unquote project or what? I don't know. I mean, like, I see for me, I see the post left becoming increasingly just right. Yeah. Like at, at yeah. a certain point, like I could, I at a certain point, I don't know how long ago, a year ago, maybe. You know what we call the post left seemed to have some sort of. I thought viable critique of the left project. You know, they were kind of tapping into some problems and into some contradictions in the way that the left was, you know, thinking about class and thinking about certain, certain things. But, you know, as, as things have gone on, you know, I, I, I see them as sort of embracing increasingly reactionary and like very, uh, bizarre, aspects of um this sort of political discourse that's happening with you know the small business thing with right like you know a lot of this that we know even now like with the with the so-called insurrection thing like like you know i used to i used to sort of like roll my eyes when people say oh the post leftists love to defend when right wingers are attacked but they don't care about when left wingers are attacked or whatever and lately I've thought like, no, actually they really do just love to defend conservative people. They just love, they just love. And I think it's, it's well, a kind it, of, it's a kind of own the libs mentality. But does it matter? Does it matter at all? Like, uh, whose arguments, uh, valid or sound? Does it matter whether it's true or not? Or is it just like dogs taking sides? No, because you know what? Like with the Google. So the big thing is the Google union thing, mm. right? This was a big point of contention. I don't fucking care about Google workers, whatever. They're tech workers. They probably live a nice life, whatever. That's fine. But like at the end of the day, they're opposing an employer. They are. Think about the opponent. Most, most of them. I mean, outside of those who own stock, I don't know if they get stock as part of their deal. But if you're working for a wage at the end of the day, you're not like big time calling the shot. You're not the one controlling the but economy. That's, that's right? the challenge. That's the challenge. Like, can you think class politics in the sense, like, can you think it like wage form? Everyone gets a wage form. Somebody's wages are bigger than others. Can you see the continuity in all of these differences? It's a test of your grid, like politically right. speaking, like, okay, they got a nicer package and some other people are getting fucked. But I mean, can, are you committed to the class politics? Well, right. I mean, well, that's the thing. There's a weird conflation of privilege and class you know somebody who makes forty dollars an hour or whatever is more privileged than i am sure they have a nice life but like at the end of the day we occupy the same class position mm-hmm. or whatever you know That's as the somebody challenge who's of class making politics ten dollars an hour and like you know then if you try to make that argument they come at you with this kind of like no 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 they're managerial mm-hmm. you know or whatever like and i just think like well what's a manager Right, I, they just t- they, you toss the term out as though it's supposed to be self evident. We don't like managers. Managers are bad or whatever. Right. But you look at the specific roles that they're claiming are managerial, like teachers, for example. And it's like right. you can do some mental gymnastics to say that a teacher is a quote unquote manager in a certain respect. It's like no, that's not a manager, right? Like a teacher right. is managing children. It's, right. A teacher is not hiring and firing, so right. it's not a manager, right? Right. I mean, especially like K through twelve public school teachers. Are you fucking kidding me? Like I could, I can, I can understand the, the, the kind of animosity toward the university 
Yeah. I have it. I'm sure, a part sure. of academia. Well, uh, university and I despise is just, the vast majority of the people around me. Just I understand that. I, I get it. Paper mill but like, come factory. the fuck on. Public education, school teachers, K through 12. Like, that's like quintessential kind of like solid middle class life. You have a union. You fucking go to work. You do something for the public. You know what I mean? It's like. Uh, it's PMC and so it's disqualified or what? Well, they think it is. They think it's PMC. But are these people Marxists? Do they call themselves Marxists? Sure. They think they're more Marxist than Marx right. or something. Because the interesting thing know. is I mean, they should check chapter 15 of volume one of Capital. Marx calls supervisors, so-called, the managerial segment of the work. Uh, uh, well, he calls them a segment of the working class. They are. And he calls them a special segment of the working class. Why? Because they receive a wage or a salary. They're not the ultimate beneficiaries of surplus value production. Right, 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 right. So fucking I mean, public school the teachers fuck especially are just getting paid through. I mean, if you call yourself a Marxist, like, I'm not, this is a different argument than the empirical argument. But if you call yourself a Marxist, what Marx thinks is that supervisors are part of the working class. They're just unproductive labor. Now, you deal with that. Right. Now, the empirical argument's another one. Maybe Marx is wrong. But if you call yourself a Marxist, that should be good enough to send you back to the square one, back to drawing board. Well, the other, I mean, the other big issue that I think there's a um, an equivocation of the term interests. Well, that's the problem. They base right? it all on interests, but that's right? not so what it's about. It's about aggregate surplus value production. These workers have different interests than lower class, than working class people. So, and that's like why they say these Google workers, these tech people, they have different interests than most working class people. And then I think, look at the working class broadly speaking. There are millions of quote unquote working class oh, people shit. who have vastly different quote interests. Look at the, right. you know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, and so there is a part of this PMC argument or framing that I think is worthwhile. And that's the yeah, one that too. the specific framing within the context of intra left disputes and intra left dysfunction, right? Where it's like, you have to have a way to explain what the DSA is with more specificity than everyone in the DSA is working class, right? Like, at a certain point, yes, everyone in the DSA, or mostly everyone in the DSA is working class, but it's, well, it's, yeah. a, it's a particular segment of the working class that behaves in a particular way, that has a particular sort of politics that's distinct from the politics of the working class broadly speaking, right? You yeah. have to be able to say that without at the same time kind of insisting that Teachers aren't workers anymore because there are too many of them in the DSA or whatever, right? Teachers are unproductive laborers. I totally agree with you, but they're still workers. They're still members of the working class. But, take it up. If if you if that gets your undies well, in a I mean, bundle, I, take it up with Marx, Volume 2, Chapter 6. Just I mean, deal I, with it. Well, the problem is that, like, we get, I mean, there's a fetish for, like, Authentic working class life and an authentic working class lifestyle. And that's just lifestyle. fucking culture porno. It's culture porno and it gets into this sort of weird, hilariously, yeah. it gets into this sort of like reinforcing this sort of white working class narrative. Like these people work it's shitty religion. coal mining jobs or like factory jobs. Suffering they Olympics. They don't fucking live in the city and read books. They do real work. And it's like, fuck you with your real work bullshit. Work is work. Like, sorry. Like, there's a reason that like people who work certain kinds of quote unquote white collar jobs, like just fucking kill themselves because the work is menial and completely unfulfilling and deeply exploitive. Mm. Even so, if on. it's like not quote unquote 
hard labor or so, whatever you want to call it. Here's here's the thing that I think connects with the right, because um, there's kind of an intellect, anti-intellectualism on 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 both sides. That it, or not anti-intellectualism on both sides. There's an anti. Um, anti-elitism anti-elitism but also like an appeal to expertise right Um, and you have a bunch of people like to me right um you guys are familiar with the university i i I work right and i i i sense this when you talk to people who do work a job they don't trust people in academia because these are people who are explaining their life to them and if you understand what the work dynamic is i work in a small firm which gives you a lot of a lot of clarity on a lot of these dynamics i am directly connected to the capitalist part of my job my bosses i like them too and the managerial part of my job and i my function in the job is an engineer who just gets the dirty work done and the thing Mm -hmm. is how the dynamic works is that the managerial part is just another part of the work they don't do my work and i don't see them as not workers or above me they may get paid more because most managers have seniority Mm. but they just serve a function for the bosses that we have and the bosses serve another function and these are just the functions of capitalism that you're talking about so if you try to separate the pmc function from the managerial function then you're creating a distinction that doesn't really Wait, help what do you, you mean organize. the pmc so the managerial like like or, or the, the managerial function from the worker they're saying that they're not they're different from other workers oh, okay i got you okay. um, separating the managerial function from workers right so they're not really that different most of them first of all if you actually work a real job they were once those type of workers so this is a step in their evolution as a worker and you can go on most of the time you can go on to either be a manager or you can go on to be a principal or you can go on to be um a principal is basically someone who has an investment in the firm Mm -hmm. so you can go on to be that so it's just i think they analyze things in a dynamic that comes from something that's purely intellectual and it's not actually based on experience. Well, it all right. sucks. Well, I mean, and that's it, actually, I mean, I, mean, that I, wrote, I mean, I wrote about this. It's grounded in something though. Because, I'm saying it's wrong. Well, no, because I mean, productive laborers produce surplus value and unproductive okay, laborers yeah. don't and managerial labor is unproductive labor. So there's something to the distinction. The question is like, the question is like, if I say I want some fruit and you hand me an apple and I say, no, I want some fruit. Obviously, I've got some fucked up cognitive problem, right? Yeah. Because there are kinds of fruit in the genus fruit, right? There are kinds of worker in the genus worker. We're all workers, but we're not all productive workers. That's the challenge that they don't seem to be able to meet. right? Well, I mean, I think the problem, and I've written about this, is that for a lot of liberals... And especially educated liberals, the working class, they think of the working class and working class life as temporary. It's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be something you do yeah. to get to a better life. You don't want to stay there forever. It's not just, it's not an end. It's, it's not a life in and of itself, forever. right? It's not a, a worthy life in and of itself. It's something you have to do to get to something Maybe better. Maybe it's not a worthy and that's life fucking, in and of That's itself. the problem. No, it should just be a life you can live with dignity and, like, be fine with it. But in capitalism, it is a life unworthy of a human being. Well, that's what's wrong with it. And that's what the the sort of liberal meritocratic worldview reinforces. And I think a lot of the people in the university get that because 
I mean, why the people? Why do people go to the university? Because they don't want to work. They don't want to do those kinds of jobs. They don't well, want to have that kind of life. But what I'm saying is, in the in the actual functions of a job, most of these managerial jobs, outside of being teachers, they're just an evolution of your job. job. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You don't. If you do your job well, you get promoted. Yes, right. you get promoted to being a manager because now you know the functions of Precisely. the job, right. and you can teach people how to do the job, yeah. and you can manage the functions of the job. Right. Mm-hmm. right That's right. how you become a manager in most jobs. Well, damn it, Thaddeus, you're supposed to stay at the bottom if you're an honest. Authentic. That's that's that's, <laughs> you that's, what I, that's exactly it. That's that's the disconnect that people who just purely academically, uh, you know, interact with these things. Right. Think of it as whereas the workers like I'm just doing another nah, job. Nah, nah, nah. A legion of <laughs> martyrs will save the world. That is. But I, I think there is a certain type of workplace where the managers do come from a different stratum, right? Where they're hired in specifically because they have Ivy League educations or whatever, sure. what have you. And they do constitute a different sort of, you know, it's not so much internal promotion that creates a manager. It's external hiring that creates a separate sure. class of worker whose job it is to exert sort of downwards pressure on on the other workers right and i don't know what proportion of the economy these workplaces constitute versus i which i think is the more typical workplace like what you're describing where a manager is simply an experienced worker who's eventually gotten promoted right um but yeah i mean so so i think that that they latch onto this set of stereotypes about the manager worker relationship and that's what they're talking about right you know like i i don't know i don't know what kind of it might be the case in tech or something I don't know. Um, I totally also agree that there is an interclass problem, specifically on the left. Like the PMC issue, that's important for the left because the PMC is important for the left. Right. On the right, you have petty bourgeoisie, yeah. right? And and so PMC, the Brahmin left. I mean, you saw this with the insurrection thing. I mean, hilariously, how many of those guys? Are small, you know, as as the rest they're of them made, and they're they're all like <laughs> they flew making, there. They're all making six figures. Tank you know Noodle, I mean? the like guy from Tank Noodle, was out there, right? Yeah, <laughs> roofing business, you know, subcontractors, whatever. Like these are people who, you know, they're not quote unquote struggling, <laughs> and you know that because yeah, they're, they're they they flew there. You and what's I mean? what's funny is the only like not the only but the PMC class that you primarily need to be worried about where I think Jamal you were pointing to people who are hired to do this are politicians. These are people who are bred to do right. a right. PMC job. Right. And you need to focus on a specific sector of the PMC that's causing the problems. Right. And those are the people that are causing the problems. Them and like um not not even PMC. These aren't even the PMCs that you should be focused on. These are just financiers, people who do stock, you know, trades. Yeah. That class of people is more of a the problem than just yeah. The financial class is more of a problem than the broad PMC. I mean, I'm yeah, precisely, and I totally agree that these intra-class distinctions and sort of nitty-gritty fine distinctions in classes are absolutely um, essential to understand to to grasp the problems we're facing. The question is just whether it's whether it's important the way that people on the left are saying it's important. And and I think they have the general outline of significance right, but I mean it's not it's not um it's not the way I think it's not the way that they think it is, I think. Uh, I, I think that there is a need for a category that is more precise than PMC, though, because if you look at sort of intra-DSA uh, political conflicts, 
yes, the DSA's disproportionately middle class or PMC class composition is a problem. But above and beyond that, the real problem is that you have a group of people with direct career incentives um, because they work in specific sectors that the DSA also does work in, right? So like NGO complex, political yeah. operatives, that kind of stuff, right? And it's not enough to say that these people are bad because they're PMC. Um, it, these people are bad because they have what direct, they right? They have direct financial incentives to push a certain political line within the organization. Right. Yeah. Um, and we don't really have a vocabulary for that, mm -hmm. you know, besides vague accusations of careerism. Um, and I think that this obsession with kind of PMC versus real workers, are teachers, you know, good, are teachers bad, et cetera, et cetera, that distracts us from what's actually going on, right? The actual cause sure. of the dysfunction is not really that there are too many teachers in the DSA. That's perhaps a result of the dysfunction. Um, you would ideally like there to be more sort of Amazon warehouse workers in the DSA than there are currently. But the actual but cause, well, because because Amazon warehouse, warehouse workers are more representative of the broader working class than teachers. But is this just fucking identical? Identity politics no, and the register of class. Amazon workers have more of a capacity to stop the because, realization of capital. Because, because right? manual workers are underrepresented in the DSA. Well, I mean, this sounds like the shit no, in my I email mean, thread be, from the It's not about representation. You're just going to be more se. effective because if you have people that are like, we don't have industrial capital here, right? So the only way that we can effectively well, some, but not hurt yeah. capital. Like right. with the, the 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 broadest way, right? right? Not the only way. The broadest way we can hurt it. Give an argument. Yeah. yeah. I mean, frankly, what the DSA it's, needs is more retail workers. That's yeah, what retail saying. workers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. so yeah. The people who like we understand that the only way you're not going to be able to get um, financial capitalists, right? You're right. I mean, the financial the class is, the is very underrepresented in, in, the, um, in, in so DSA. So if you want to effectively hurt capitalism, you're gonna in America, you're gonna have to do it along the lines of merchants capital, which yeah, is I mean, how the warehouse workers, workers and you know, commercial right. workers, merchants, right. uh, warehouse right. workers are part of right. commercial capital and warehouse workers. And I, you know, this is a, a big opportunity here in Chicago is that we are sitting on the largest, um, you know, intermodal logistics hub in the entire country with, through which about three and a half percent of the national GDP passes every year. Right. Which is in largely around Joliet, but kind of spread around the Chicago area. And generally um, DSA has negligible membership from workers in this sector. Um, you know, even though there are plenty of of middle class DSA members who work in Chicago public schools or what have you, right? Like if I had to choose between an organization comprised of Amazon warehouse workers and CPS workers, I would choose the Amazon warehouse sure. workers because you can do a lot more with that, right? right? That's not to say that you should not want CPS. I'm happy to have teachers in DSA, sure, right? Sure, sure. But they shouldn't be disproportionately and I understand there are reasons for right? that. I guess I was just sort of, it, it was starting to sound to me like Strangely reminiscent of representation discourse among liberals. Right, like, it's like uh, our board of our board of directors lacks a working class identity, right. you know, or, or whatever. Or, yeah, you know, right. or, or like there's no. But the underlying like, reason that you want working class no Latino identity. There's no Latino member, Latina member of the tenured faculty. Right. But the so, underlying reason you want working class members is not because of working class, it's because of what that allows them to do, right? Like, if you can shut down an Amazon warehouse, that matters, right? Here we are in a curious situation where the left is mostly interested and consists mostly of teachers, adjuncts to teachers, uh, and people who work in coffee shops or, or bookstores, some shit like that. Right, kind of, kind of 
optional members of the of the. So it's all unproductive labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's all unproductive labor. And so like you stop it. Right. What you stop? You, you, you shut down every coffee shop and you shut down every school in the country for a <laughs> day. What's going to happen? Nothing. Nobody gets their coffee and nobody learns and about nobody like seventeenth seventeenth century France. Or and whatever. everyone thinks that whatever. And no one, no one's life, you know, aside from the headache of having to like find a babysitter or like what have you, not being able it to doesn't get coffee stop capital. Basically, everyone drinks tea and everyone goes to ITT. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. stop capital because yeah. that's not capital. And that's yeah. America's problem, broadly speaking, is that the we, it's an unproductive economy. But the productive workers who do get paid out of capital and pay into capital, um, they're not interested in socialist politics. Well, you know, I mean. Frankly, you know, that's the if, there's, if there's one fucking profession, I wish I could like make 100% leftist DSA types. It would be semi truck drivers. Oh, yeah. Those oh, guys yeah. fucking run this economy still. Well, not yep. in 10 years, they won't. I mean, not yet. Yeah, maybe still not in 10 years, but like, I mean, I don't know. Self driving you know? cars is becoming a fiasco. Apparently, a lot of them are Punjabi. I heard about that oh, recently. Really? Yeah, for the, we've got a guy who's a semi truck driver in, in CU, and he says my that. uncle's a my uncle's a yeah. truck driver. He went to he used to be. This is funny. This is a funny uh, de evolution. He used to be an accountant. <laughs> oh yeah, went to prison. Yeah, I know this guy. I yeah, yeah, he went to prison for nice uh, for embezzling money. Mm-hmm. Got out of prison and he, he couldn't get any other jobs, so he became a fucking long haul truck driver. And now he just drives around the fucking country. Uh, but is he in the DSA? He's not. But he's a, he's a deep, he's a, he's, he used to be, I think, kind of liberal, but now he's kind of a reactionary, Mm. I think, because his life is, you know. What is it about a hard life that makes a person reactionary? I think what it is, is that you suffered, right? And you Mm -hmm. fucking got shat on. So you, so when other people are thinking, when other people are claiming that they are oppressed, you think, fuck you, you don't know Mm -hmm. what oppression is. I know what oppression is. Cause like. My life was fucking hard, mm. and your life, comparatively speaking, is not. It's really just I so. Think, it's similar to the. It's similar to the post left is saying, "I won't cancel loans if it'll benefit somebody, even if it'll I mean, fuck my enemy." It, it's also you have a skepticism of people who haven't suffered, telling you how you can alleviate your suffering. Right, right, right. When right. you have already figured out the way to alleviate your suffering, precisely. Well, you think you have, and you well, think like, they're fucking clueless. Maybe you right. Have. It's like somebody who. You know, who's lived a hard life, and then you have a bunch of people who saying, "I'm traumatized." And it's like you, you don't know what trauma is. Like yeah. I know what trauma is. You know like what I mean? People like, saying yeah, they have PTSD is... from a bad date. Right. Right. Fuck exactly. That. But I, isn't this is just suffering Olympics? Is it not? I mean, well, precisely. But I think that that's that can make a person conservative. I mean, I think about that with my father. My father became my father was like a socialist when he was my age, mm-hmm. and by the time he died, when he was forty seven, he was like. Kind of conservative. That's what I was pointing at in the the cast before last when I was saying that I might become an arch capitalist <laughs> because of socialist alternative. Not saying that I have suffered, but I have like my mom's story is an amazing story Why where she got divorced, you a raised five kids, went to school while she was divorced, worked two jobs. And then somehow she's at one that I don't even know now before while she's making six figures. She came out of the struggle. Right. And when I hear capitalists or hear socialists telling people about how they need to rise up against their oppressors without even revealing to them the risk that they have to take. To me, it's like I can be more effective if I just made a lot of money and committed to charity because you people aren't offering 
anybody well that's anything. how you know also that they're liberals they're talking about oppressors instead of exploiters i mean it's like um it wouldn't do any good but my temptation is to like invite these stooges to disambiguate their jargon i mean yeah oppression i mean oppression what would that be I'd like? like to tell them to get a fucking job <laughs> I mean, I, not just so, a job I mean, get a career i mean think about like my father's position right so my father grew up he was born in 1960 uh in his 30s he goes through a divorce he remarries he's kind of an ideal you know he's a socialist working class factory guy gets his education after he, you know, he has two kids, he gets, he goes back to school, he finishes his degree and then everything starts to fall apart. You know, he thinks he's going to be some great like PMC English, whatever. The best job he can get is in human resources. He's a headhunter. He just like pairs well, that's people unproductive jobs. labor. Fucking miserable work. It's fine. He makes like 45 grand a year, which for him is like, you know, it's enough to like buy beer. He's got a nice wife. Fast forward, she gets diagnosed with cancer. He gets laid off because suddenly his job as well, a headhunter it's a shit is no storm longer, of economic you know, problems. in the midst of in the midst of the you know dot com boom right? in the mid two thousands, suddenly like his job isn't so important anymore. He well, gets also laid the off. Technology developments, right, precisely. Technology you don't need makes his job obsolete because you, you got you've indeed got, and you've got monster dot com or whatever right. the fuck. So he now he's unemployed. He has no job, health insurance. His wife has cancer and she's dying. They move to Pennsylvania because like they have, they're basically homeless and they find someone who's going to let them live there. He, the only job you can find is as a janitor at McDonald's. So this is a guy in a span of like a few years went from being like a highly educated white collar worker. White co- I mean, he's a white collar worker, but he also had high, you know, he was a guy who wanted to write novels. He was reading Rousseau and Marx. He was highly intellectual he had a really, you know, great wife, and then now he's work. He's drinking vodka yeah, and matter. fucking cleaning toilets at a McDonald's in some fucking no name town in Pennsylvania. Like, I can't imagine a situation that would make someone more conservative. You know, you look around. But that's the, world, the question, though. Why? Why does it? Do well, that? but I mean, because you think about like, <clears throat> imagine then you look around at like left politics and like what their demands are, and he thinks, "Fuck you." That's those are your demands. Right. You know what I mean? Like. Well, well, fuck you. It. You want to cancel student loans? Well, but I mean, this was in the mid 2000s, of course. But well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's this a not different a piece? left, but you know. But not just that. I don't even find a place in the current left for my mom. My mom is a radical at heart, right? And I couldn't find, I can't find a way where she could interact with the left right now. There are way too many demands. The entry is way too high. Yeah, you have to go to these meetings. You have to adhere to this type of jargon. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. have these beliefs. Like my mom is definitely um, I, she 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 like I am. Me and my mom are the same. I am pro choice but pro life at the same time. You cannot hold those two things in your yeah, mind my, if my you want to be the on the life. left. Yeah. yeah, like if it was up to me individually, I would try to lobby to my wife to not have an abortion or my girlfriend or whatever. But if she made that decision herself, that's her decision, right. which is something that you can't hold in your mind on the left. And that's a small example. Well, the left is incredibly dogmatic. Well, they and, can't have a contradiction. And you, that and also, I mean, it's true. Like the organizations are so dogmatic that your mom doesn't, you're going to have time for that bullshit. But I feel like that's, I don't know if that's the same problem. I mean, it's also where do you insert yourself? I mean, they have to have something on offer 
You know, you have a left who is anti left like, doesn't offer anything. mutual aid. Like, where do you actually like my mom comes from poor people and her concern is for those people. You know, your dad, Adam, you know, fell on hard times. He's looking for people to help him with those hard times with their politics. But the politics they have on offer is just purely sacrifice and suffering. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. Well, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for the future. And you're sitting there and your concern is the present. Right. right. You know, and the past. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are your two concerns. And all they offer you is this nebulous future. Right. You can't engage with that. Well, you know, and it's an interesting thing about how the left sort of writes off huge sectors of the working class. Um, you know, there, there's the culturally conservative rural, you know, working class that the left obviously has no time for. But then there's also the kind of, um, you know, the the culturally apathetic, you know, sort of urban working class that the left also doesn't have any time for. But the left pretends really, really hard that they're speaking for them right, right at the same right, time. Right. Yeah. And it can't actually um, it can't handle this this discrepancy between reality and what it thinks should be should be reality. And so it it builds these impediments and these structures that keep regular people out of the organization so that they can, um, you know, they can be spoken for without the inconvenience of them speaking for themselves right at the meetings or what have you. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it's a, such a fucking clusterfuck. I think it's just everything on the left is always perpetually unrealized. You're always looking towards something yeah. that needs to be realized in the future where people have immediate concerns that the left is never concerned about. And not only are they not concerned about it, but you are backwards in your thought if you are concerned about the immediacy of your condition. That means right. you're backwards. Yeah. Right. You should yeah. be concerned about student loan debt in the future, which, no, I'm worried about the job that I need today to take care of my kids. And it does. And if you're an older person, it becomes kind of ingrained in you because it's like um, in humans, how we um, we eat too much. Like there's a response in the human body that if you eat something, you don't even realize it until 20 minutes later because you're always concerned about starvation. So that's why human beings are easily they easily get obese because you're always concerned about starvation. So if you live a life where your immediate concerns were prevalent all your life over the future, even if you reach a point where the future can be a concern, like my case, like now the future can be a concern for me because now I'm at a point where I can save money. You're still always concerned about the immediate condition. You always have a backward looking perspective. Right, so because that is, you know that it can always devolve into that um, oh, yeah. condition of immediacy. But the left does not recognize that. Well, There's never the a sense of conservation. Well, I don't know. I wonder because in a certain respect, the, the left's always talking about the future, but it's always talking about the future from the standpoint of a backward looking perspective, it doesn't really have much of a future to offer. When you look at, when you look at them, I mean, take for instance, our experience with um, socialist alternative, they're always saying we need a, a planned economy by workers for workers. It's like, all right, spell that out. And they're like, uh, <laughs> uh what do I do now is what people are asking. Like every time I ask that, what do we do now? There's well, never not, an answer. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of thing. Like, imagine in whatever, like my father as a, you know, his wife is dying of cancer. He's an alcoholic. He's 
cleaning toilets at McDonald's. Imagine like the DSA trying to like get him to care about half of the DSA well, that's platform. The He's going to say, fuck you. Right. Like I want to have right. just the most basic fucking things. Why should it be? This is the problem. I think why is it an appeal to try to convince someone to care about some other thing instead of talking about the problems that they're facing? Cause that's what will motivate people to do shit. Well, I mean, right. that I mean, seems like to be a, that seems to me to be a massive problem with the left. Right. Well, I mean, that's why I think working class politics has to be. And that's why right wingers are more concerns. motivated and more successful because. I mean, I think, the, I think working class politics can be summed up on like four issues, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like healthcare, right. housing, yeah. wages. Right. And like, uh, you know, family, you know, whatever, like. Uh, Unions or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. Well, I would say, I mean, getting, getting rid of. Um, unproductive rent-seeking sectors of the economy. Right. Like, if you nationalized all But, I mean, I think that kind of goes in hand-in-hand hand with, right. like, rent and, sure. or housing and, sure. and et cetera. But in insurance. You know, in insurance, fire precisely. But shit. you know what I mean? If you liquidate like, the fire sector, you'd, you'd come a long way towards... Like in socialist alternative, the whole idea that the stimulus checks were an impediment to working-class consciousness... Oh, that's a lot of fucking bullshit to me. The social, that was social alternatives lie. That is not social. Let me not say the whole social okay. alternative, but it was in our branch. Mm -hmm. That was a line they kept on saying against our proposal. It that's was a it was saying. an impediment to working class like <laughs> working class consciousness. Um, they're not going to like when we originally proposed it. They were saying that it wasn't there because it was they were alleviated because of the stimulus, and it's like that's fucking hilarious. Twelve hundred dollars is the line. Are not even that. Let's not even. Let's say the twelve hundred dollars <laughs> did give them subsistence. It didn't. Like the end of immiseration doesn't mean that that's gonna. If if you like get rid of the immiseration of people, that is gonna make them more active in socialist politics, not less. It's it's backwards. So if you were to me, if you were looking to actually activate people and radicalize them, you would want to show them that it's possible to get more. Right. And what they're looking for is money, not your fucking ideals about the right. future. Well, and you know, and that's, that's the reason that Mitch McConnell was so insistent on opposing the stimulus because he understands that he's fighting a class war. And he understands that if you give people something that they can touch and they can be like, Oh my God, I was helped by the government. They're going to think, well, what more can I get? Right? Like what, you know, That's what the is thing. the possibility? Socialism should be in your advantage. Yeah. It shouldn't be a fucking sacrifice. That's why no one has any time for that shit. That's the problem with the left. Yeah. That's the problem with the left. Like if it's, if it's a sacrifice, it's not worth it. Well, the stimulus I think is a great opportunity. Like you have to sacrifice some time you have to these, these kind of things that is in a colloquial sense, you make sacrifices, but ultimately it should not be a sacrifice at all. I mean, people make sacrifices for their children. Mm -hmm. People make sacrifices for their career and so forth. You know, they do these things, but like if a political program isn't going to have any traction with anybody, if it's not going to make life better and not yeah. like maybe someday, like right now. Yeah. I think the, the stimulus checks are a huge opportunity and it, it's an opportunity not just in the sense that, um, you know, working class people take notice of this. It's an opportunity in the sense that we've got this this thing where the the Trump wing of the Republican Party sided with stimulus 
and were kind of fucked over, right, by Mitch McConnell and the others. And now they're angry and we can come along and say, hey, we were for stimulus, too. This is why this didn't happen or this is why the Republicans didn't you know, follow through on that. You know, this is what's going on. It's a very clarifying because you can't you can't bullshit whether or not you're for two thousand dollar checks for everybody. Right. Like there's no way to kind of like, you spin are the issue. Are. Right. And I, I think that's what would happen in Georgia. I think if right. if Joe Biden doesn't come out and put it as simply as if you vote these two people in, you'll get two thousand dollars. <laughs> nobody. I think it goes the other way. And right. I, on top of um, the organizing on the ground, which is the other component that leftists tend to forego for in 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 and they replace it with education. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I That's the thing. The left is so here. So here. So. The post-leftist antipathy towards PMC maybe goes too far in a sense that sort of hurts the cause. But I mean, the PMC influence is is negative in this respect. Like it's just education, education, education. It's like no, right? Yeah, no. teach your family why whatever is nah, bad. Nah, nah. Like yeah. I said last time, what are you going to teach somebody who has been the head of a household? How do you we understand capitalism more than someone speech. who knows? Like, we got to retool the economy <laughs> right. so that the benefits accrue to the workers. And you know what retools the That's economy? What socialism is extracting three hundred billion dollars and making the 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 ruling class. Let, let me use their jargon. Making the capitalists pay for that and giving that three hundred billion dollars in stimulus to the working class. But this is this is permit me, humor me. The 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 stupidity I think of a lot of socialists. They say make the capitalists pay for that. Like that that's a good example of how like inconsistent they are with their own ideology. Because I mean. Capitalist class doesn't have a dime that wasn't generated through the exploitation of the working class. So, okay. so how on earth could a capitalist pay for anything? Ah, uh, there you go. I mean, <laughs> I think they touch on that though, but they just don't finish the thought. Like you read the passage from the new members reading packet. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, like their whole ideology is like coitus interruptus. It's like, why don't you just fucking get serious for a second and quit screwing around that's why i said what is what is the guy i want i, I want my money and i need it now it's my <laughs> money and i need it now that's what the stimulus check is it's my money and i need it now that's that's the that's the slogan that's that's the demand <laughs> you know well Fuck i mean it. and you look at you look at the kind of redistributive policies and and platforms that have managed to actually get traction um it's stimulus and it's five for 15 right like those are the big two like five for 15 healthcare? Was a, um I, healthcare is is another one but i think that if you look at where you've had success and i i think the part problem with medicare for all is just that it's hard to do at the state level and the local level so you have to actually have an infrastructure capable of doing it at the national level before you can actually make make progress but five for 15 was able to get success at the local level in a bunch of red states right just because it's fucking brain dead simple like either you're for more money for working class people or you're not period there's no spinning it there's no moralism there's nothing else to it right and the this is the same way and that kind of points 
that shows the left what it should be focusing on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it and it shows you why things like abolish the police or defund the police or what have you are dead ends. Because as soon as there's an element of ambiguity that as soon as there's a way to disagree with it, you've kind of lost your momentum. That's, right? that's like, political rhetorical failure. But yeah. also, I would add another one. I would say the opposition to the the, the prison industrial complex yeah. was glaring because I think people have recognized that that's just slave labor that devalues our wages. So people are like, and right. it's, it's incarceration that people have a right. connection to. It drives wages down. One percent of the American population is in prison. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. So. Most and, people and, know someone who's been in prison. And if you're incarcerated, you don't have the rights. Yeah. And if you're incarcerated, you're working for a slave wage right. and you're doing jobs that it's, it's people co- should be doing for a good wage. I don't remember which amendment it is, but yeah, it's written into the 14th Amendment. Right. Yeah. Also, I mean, but also with the healthcare issue, I think this is good because, I mean, that's another example where it's like um, universal healthcare would not just give people health care, it would also liquidate the unproductive sector of the economy, the insurance. So fire insurance and real estate, the insurance part of the financialized economy would be toast. And so that's another place to look at it. It's not just, I mean, it is about helping people, but it's also about destroying your enemy. Mm-hmm. And when your enemy is a financialized capitalist um uh, sector of the economy like it is in the anglophone world in america i mean you need medicare for all in order to get rid of those companies that is the class war dimension people need insulin people need this that and the other thing but you know what they also need they need that shit to not exist anymore they so need I mean, to get rid of their predators that's what makes it socialist a handout isn't socialism you remember that stupid shit that what Trump Jr. said about during trick or treat? He was explaining to his daughter. <laughs> yeah, 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 he was yeah, explaining yeah. to his daughter like, uh, "You gotta, you know, you gotta take um, all that candy you got from trick or treat, and you gotta give it to somebody that's socialism." It's like, well, some people replied on Twitter like, "Dumbass, trick or treat is a handout. That's socialism. Nah, afraid not. <laughs> socialism is not a handout. Socialism is when you stick it to the insurance sector. Like people need insulin." But you got to get rid of those oligarchs too, and that is socialist politics. Mm-hmm.